Okay, hello and welcome back to another edition of the Slam podcast. Steve kindly stepped in again last week while I was away. Um, and I'm back on hosting duties once more with with my co-host Matt Coles. Um, I just wanted to say that, of course, the Slam podcast is in association with Callaway. Um, the new Apex Pro Series family of Callaway um, is now available for pre-order. Um, the Apex Pro Series um, is a revolutionary performance family designed um, to enhance every every aspect of your game, and they're available to pre-order now. So that will no doubt be um, another mouth-watering product on the Callaway website that you can get his teeth into. Um, as I say, each week, uh, Callaway's players, their staffers, um, perform to the highest levels pretty much each week. Um, you can probably tell by the my, my voice is not as strong as it sometimes always is. I've, I've been away again. Um, I've sort of taken liberties with holidays recently um, in August, but I suppose it's the best way. It's the best time to go away, isn't it? Yeah, don't we know it? Um, pleasure to be on with you again after <clears throat> for the only the second time in four weeks. Have it after your. <laughs> All your little escapades, um, but yeah, I mean the sun's out. You can't complain if you're gonna gonna go and enjoy some time wherever you are in in Europe or wherever in the world. Exactly, and um, we wanted to, although this will be out across the bank holiday Monday, we wanted to. We can't let down our listeners, can we? We can't ruin their bank holidays if they woke up on Monday or th- or looked on their phones throughout Monday and didn't see that there was a slam podcast. Um, ready for them god knows how they feel well i mean who wouldn't want to listen to our glorious and you know dulcet tones every every monday or tuesday afternoon yeah i mean if i was them i would be very concerned and i wouldn't know what to do with myself um if they open their whatever podcast platform they're on and didn't have an episode of the slam um following the conclusion of the of the FedEx Cup we wanted to just sort of look back on on the 2023 season and look ahead as well to what the 2024 season will has in store um the 2023 season saw you know a lot of big changes um a number of designated events added to the schedule which requires the top 20 players in the player impact pro program supposedly to play in all of them um unless of course your name is Rory McIlroy um However, so the schedule saw a lot of changes, um, a lot of big prize purses that were up for grabs. Um, would you have any sort of personal highlights from from the year that's just been? Uh, I mean, I think I think that the major thing that sort of sticks in the mind is um, maybe probably because it's more recent, but Lucas Glover's um, mm-hmm. comeback and obviously having you know having to. I think he had to finish top two at the Wyndham to to make it into the to the playoffs. Went and won, and then decided that you know what, one win wasn't going to be enough. Um, and then he went and won the the FedEx St Jude's, all beating Patrick Cantlay, who of course loves the playoffs um, in a playoff. Um, but yeah, I think that was that's probably I think that's sort of for me the feel good story of, mm. of the year. Um, and then looking into the into the women's uh, side of things, the breakout of, of Lilia Vu as well, you know, of course. Uh, back to uh, you know bookending the year with with major championships at the Chevron and, and the and the AIG Women's Open. Um, did love when she um, had that interview at the end on the 18th green at Walton Heath. She said she lost confidence despite winning her first major at the Chevron. Um, 
I lose confidence after my first tee shot, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say those two are probably my my sort of you know feel good stories of of the year. Uh, what, what about you? What would be your sort of moment of the of the year or one you remember from from the season? Yeah, well, I think a, a few of my a few of my memories of this year or the standout moments sort of they, they mostly rest with John Rahm. I think I think it's easy just to look back on the majors, isn't it? Um, and and remember what we saw there. Um, but I feel like John Rahm's win at Augusta was so impressive and so sort of poignant with the memories of Seve as well. Um, he had Jose Maria Olafarbel there at the last green, congratulating him um, on his second win, his second major win, I should say. Um, I thought that was very special. I think John Rahm's someone that recognises the history of the game, very much a historian, recognises his place in the game. Um so that was a big standout moment for me, I think. But also, um, I, I, the week after that, um, Matt Fitzpatrick won his sort of first non-major event um, on the PJ Tour at the RBC Heritage, beating Jordan Spieth in a playoff. I thought that was a brilliant moment, a, a place where he'd been as a child watching golf. <clears throat> um, he always has his parents there um, and whatnot. So... It's always a poignant moment when Fitzpatrick plays well and wins um, because it's such a personal, intimate thing. Um, he's built himself up from, obviously, the the um, the Sheffield area in Yorkshire um, and as, as as his brother. And I think that's another sort of subplot that's developed this year. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Fitzpatrick's exploits on the on the Challenge Tour at the Open, Open Qualifying, which I was lucky enough to go to and speak to him afterwards. Um, so I'll say those... Those sort of more personal highlights. Um, mm. We speak. We are. We're arguably speaking ahead of our time because um, we've got the Ryder Cup to come up, which could provide even more moments of of sort of more highlights of the year. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say it's hard to deviate from the majors, isn't it? When you look back on the highlights. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned John Rummy. You mentioned the historian side of things. I think also the fact that it's the Spanish side of it um, as well. Obviously. Um, you know, Ollie was there. You know, Sergio w- would have been there. You know, if things were obviously, you know, after live golf and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, four men to to win there, all all Spanish, of course. Um, all four mm-hmm. won there, and just um, yeah, it was an incredible moment when when John and and Ollie were were on the eighteenth green and and uh, hugged it out. And but of course, you can't forget Brooks. Brooks's piece in that as well, you know, finishing second and then obviously going on to win the the PGA Championship, um, you know, later in the season. But yeah, and also yeah, Matt Fitzpatrick as well. That was a that was a great story. And I had the the the, the fortunate encounter of of actually speaking to 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 his to his old man at um, at Royal Liverpool. I was just out for yeah. a walk around the course, and again, you can tell that it's just a, a lovely family, you know, um, very tight knit. Obviously, both were out at the time. Matt and Alex were both out. That was on the final day that I, I got to speak to 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 the father, and both were out. He was um, dad was following Alex, mum was following Matt. So you know they both had a fan, you know, around with them, <laughs> which I thought was very nice. Um, but yeah, of course, both of them finished um, runner up. Was it last week? Um, obviously, Matt was runner up at the BMW Championship, mm-hmm. um, and Alex was runner up in. Oh God, where were they on the Europe on the DP World Tour? Um, Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland, of course. Yes, at the at the Handel World Invitational. Um, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, two you know run up finishes a great weekend for the for the family. But yeah, I, I completely agree with with us, and I do see where you're coming from. Everyone remembers the majors. And the majors mm. sort of resonate, don't they, with 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 the public? Um, yeah, yeah, and obviously Wyndham, sort of year of... Wyndham and Brian as well. First time, yeah. first time major winners for them. Very memorable years for those those two players, and it was sort of a year of comebacks as well. You had Justin Rose returning to form at the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. You had Chris Kirk winning the Honda Classic, who had overcome. Um, about to, was it alcoholism? I think um, and tough yeah, times with mental per, health, personal issues for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he came back and won the Honda Classic and showed good form. Has, has shown good form this year as well. Um, you had Jason Day as well, who also won the ATT Byron Nelson, having well not not won on the PGA Tour for a few years. That mm. was one that we all wanted, all wanted to see. Brooks Kepka was arguably a comeback winner at the PGA Championship because. Um, many would have suspected that his move to live golf um, arguably meant that his best days were behind him, prim- primarily because of injuries that he sustained. Because he's since admitted that if he was in full fitness and you know um, didn't sustain so many so many bad injuries, that he might not have gone to live. So that was arguably a comeback win. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the comeback of all comebacks is Lucas Glover at the minute. So it's been a really Again, another exciting year, a different year in the PGA Tour. Um, you know, there's one man we forgot to mention there. Who's that? Ricky Fowler as well. Yes, of course, yeah. Also winning the Rocket Mortgage. Um, and that was a win, like you mentioned, like, <clears throat> like Jason Days, it was a win that I think everyone sort of wanted to see. Ricky's was a win everybody wanted to yeah, see. It had been, certainly. It had been, what, four years, I think, since he'd, he'd won on tour. Um, yeah, that was an emotional moment, I think, for everyone in golf mm. really when when mm. Ricky won that because it showed that he was back yeah he's playing his way back into the sort of the top 40 30 players in the world um shame he didn't make more of a fist of it in the final round of the US Open as well isn't it mm. yeah after the uh well it was both him and uh was it Colin Morikawa both shot 62 on the opening day Chauflay, I think Chauflay, sorry yeah um he played Morikawa in the playoff actually at the mm. Rocket Mortgage I knew there was something there yeah. um but yeah, sixty-two on the opening day just couldn't wasn't to be. But you know he's shown that obviously we know he could perform in the majors. You know, runner-up at three of them, I think, and then third at the at the Open or some, something like that. Um, so he's shown he can do it. It's just getting over the line in that major, and it, I would not be surprised if he's able to continue this form. And, and he could be one one of my picks for for a major title next year. Yeah, certainly. He's he's a very popular figure. It seems on the PGA Tour. Um, and no doubt will be desperate for a place in the Ryder Cup team, um, primarily because he's such a sort of relatable, likable person. I think he'll be quite versatile in the picks in that sense. But we've, we've spoken about the Ryder Cup quite quite a bit recently. We'll, we'll focus on the PJ Tour, and ne- next season, um, it was announced recently the PJ Tour schedule for 2024. Um, it's returning to a calendar year schedule for the first time since 2012, and there's going to be 36 events. Um, beginning with the opening drive at the Century Tournament of Champions and the Sony Open. Um, there's going to be eight signature events. I believe it's the new word for designated. Um, 18 full field events and five additional events. Um, one of the biggest changes was that Pebble Beach, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am is now a signature event that will feature 80 players. Um, the signature events are the Century Tournament of Champions, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Genesis Invitational, the the Anna Palmer Invitational, the RBC Heritage, 
the Wells Fargo Championship, the Memorial, and the Travellers. And five of those, so the Genesis, the Memorial, and the Isle of Palmer will, will, will all have 36-hole cuts. The other five won't have 36-hole cuts. Now, that's something that we've discussed before, but not maybe at length, um, about having no-cut events. Um and it's often the case where we, at major championships, especially I feel like at this year's Open where we're there, um, as Harmon was dominating or as he was sort of building his lead on the Friday, it was more about who was going to make the cut than who was actually going to contend to win the Open. And yeah. then, although that's not the thing that we want to look at, it's still an interesting dynamic that is inte- that is an integral part of... of um, of professional golf and something that has been thrown at thrown at live a lot is that live is not a meritocracy in that you can come 48th out of 48 players and earn 120 grand well that's what's going to happen it won't be that many it'll be more players at, at these no cut events but that is essentially what is going to be what, what is going to be um at these pj at these no cut pj tour events now there are obviously more dynamics aren't there for example you earn your way into these no cut pj tour events Yep. Whereas in live, you've you've signed the contract. You're part of the tour, so therefore you're guaranteed income each week. Whereas in the PJ Tour, with these no cut events, you do have to earn your way. But it's still there are there is a crossover there, isn't there? The the, the principle of not sure. having a cut, for sure. Yeah, um, and I I noticed you you deep dived into the Eddie Pepperell book there of um, having a go at Lee Westwood for his forty eighth place <laughs> finish, his, his hundred thousand. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. <sighs> I mean, so the fields are going to be, is it 70, 80, I think, for the, the, yeah. the no-cut events? So, and obviously we know that the the top 50 who made it to the BMW Championship, they will all be assured of a place. Um, I don't know, necessarily, do they have to play in those events? I'm going to assume they probably no, do. No, I believe, well, I, I, I mean, just, or just sort of read the schedule announced by the PJ Tour. I don't think it said anything about there being mandatory appearances. Right. Okay. Okay. So I'm not wrong, say, but I don't think yeah. I've read that. Let's obviously, of course, they're the biggest events. You know, the Genesis, the Arnold Palmer, and so on. They're the events that, <clears throat> apart from the majors and, and and the players, and obviously then the playoffs at the end of the season. They're the they're the they're the tournaments you want to have on your CV at the end of your career, aren't they? You know, you mm-hmm. want to say you won, uh, you know, the Memorial, or that you won the Travelers, or, or whatever. You know, so. You would imagine that the majority of that those fifty that have made it into the BMW Championship, the top fifty from this year's FedEx Cup standings, let's say f- at least you would think forty eight of those will play in those tournaments. You know, there may be one, a couple that take personal breaks or are injured or, or so on. So let's say let's say forty five of the fifty play in those events. See, then there's thirty five spaces available. And of course, I think it's still to be decided as to how those thirty five spaces are going to be. Mm. You know. Being out, whether it's for PGA Tour winners from previous years, because I know that might be a route that someone like a, a Justin Thomas or you know an Adam Scott, someone like that, who obviously didn't even make the playoffs um, in the end, and Shane Larry, of course, as a major champion from 2019, whether they'll get places in in that way, sort of kind of through the side door as such. Um, but obviously, then there's this, you know, as it as it will start to be known, I believe next year is the fall series. Um, mm. You know, there's a run of events this year as well, sort of in and around, in between the Ryder Cup and Zolheim Cup and and so on up till Christmas. Um, 
where players are going to have their chance to get into those events. Um, yeah. And I think even with no cut, I think those events will still be good. I mean, if you think about it, you're going to have the same field on Thursday morning as you are on Sunday evening. You know, so you're going to be able to see 80 golfers on Sunday. Oh, it'll be better for a spectator, that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'd assume they'll probably be in three balls instead of two balls, maybe on, on Saturday and Sunday, maybe to make sure, you know, they can get round as such. Um, but yeah, I, I was having this conversation, I think, with Steve a few weeks back about the, the cut scenario. And obviously, Live Golf is, is its own entity, is a shotgun start, you know, as you mentioned, contracts in place. So, you know, no matter what, you're going to get money. But yeah, I think for the PGA Tour to go that way, they have at least kept it, you know, to the point where you have to earn your way in, mm. which I think is the, the a good way of doing it. Um, but it will be interesting to see how those events go on next year. Obviously, we've got a while to wait before it happens. But it will be interesting to see how those events go on and how they're taken both by the players, mm. by the fans, by the by the viewing public at home around the world. Yeah, so that that'll be interesting to see. But for me. I'm <clears> not too opposed to not having a cup because if you've got <clears> the best players in the world, you don't really want to lose any of them halfway through. Yeah. It, it is just that thing of of guaranteed income, of guaranteed earnings. But as as we just said, it, there is merit about it. You, do, you, you, you can use this full series, you can just play good golf and win, and you can get into these events... Um, so that would be the meritocracy thing about it. And that's what I think would, when all the big fishes like McElroy and Homer and all them started praising the idea of, um, the new schedule with no cut events, you know, they are the big fishes. McElroy is never not going to get into them, but that is because he wins and plays well. And I know they all can't be Roy McElroy, like a generational talent. But Max Homer is the prime example where he used to be on the Corn Ferry Tour. He was never a household name. And he's slowly becoming a household name because he's good at golf. He's going to be in the Ryder Cup team. Um, he hasn't quite performed in major championships yet, the way he would, he would probably like to. But even, I think we've, we've, we've mentioned this before with figures like Taylor Moore, Adam Schenk, Nick Taylor. Like, they're all playing in the Tour Championship or to have played in the Tour Championship um, and the FedEx Cup playoffs. They're not household names. They're not big fishes. But they've played good golf and they've earned, and they will likely earn places in these um, signature events. So yeah. that would be the riposte to players who maybe, um, what are they called, rank and file players yeah. who don't like the new structure. Um, one thing that I, you know, the money is obscene, isn't it? Like next year, the, the winner of the FedEx Cup is going to earn twenty-five million. Another, another figure that's dangerously close to um, what Live offer each 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 week with their tournaments. Um, but the thing that I've sort of gathered or noticed in the announcement of the PJ Tour schedule, they do briefly mention the, um, how people play in the twenty twenty-four season, how that will impact the twenty twenty-five season. Which makes me think, when is this new entity of the PJ Tour and the PIF actually going to take actually going to take shape? Because yeah. if they're st if they're already planning eligibility or priority um, rankings for twenty twenty five fields, when is the PJ Tour 
going to accommodate whatever this new thing will, will, will that's going to come round? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. And I think, um, well, Jay Monahan was asked, wasn't he, um, prior to the Tour Championship, he had a press conference and he was asked, you know, is he confident of getting, you know, a deal done by January the 1st, which I believe is the deadline for the for the framework agreement to become an actual agreement and so on. And so, you know, we we don't know the all the technical terms. No. But so January the 1st, so obviously the start of 2024, and he said he was confident it would get done. Um, you know, to paraphrase um, what he said, he was confident that it would, would get done um, and that there would be a deal in place. Of course, that deal then wouldn't take account for in taken, you know, be ready for 2024 because it would be too mm. close, obviously. So we, we can understand that. And I think um, Dusty Johnson said a few months back, you know, that um, when he first found out, he was like, well, you know, Greg's already told us there's a schedule in place for Live Golf for 2024. Yeah. So both sides have already planned for <laughs> next year which we expected to be looking at 2025. Maybe that's, yeah, maybe it's something that we'll need speaking about once we know Mm -hmm. what's actually going to come from these agreements. If these agreements actually, you know, get over the line, but maybe they're just putting, maybe the PGA tour have just said that in the, in these documents about next, you know, about next year's schedule to be planning for 2025 as a sort of, Possibly even as a sort of well, even if you don't join us, we're ready. Yeah, you know we're prepared. I see. Because obviously those, obviously that could change. We could be prepared for different outcomes in a way, maybe. Yes, exactly. So they're prepared if it doesn't happen. Obviously, they'll have another plan in place for if it does happen, and you know more money comes in, and the players come back, and there's a joint effort, or however it goes on. We could speculate for for hours about what could possibly happen. You know, yeah. um, with a PGA PIF partnership, um, but yeah, so it, may, it could just be a case of they're just you know covering their own backs. Excuse me, covering their own backs to be prepared for twenty five if they mm. need to be. Another point I was trying to allude to then. Um, so the prize money is increased again in twenty twenty four, and the winner of the FedEx Cup will get twenty five million pound bonus, which is another significant increase from 2023 um and say if there's a 2025 schedule that that's purely just exclusively a pj tour schedule and doesn't integrate any sort of live thing um i, I imagine they'll increase it again won't they that they'll keep increasing prize money so let's, so say, when, 30, let's say for 25 yeah. yeah let's say for 25 it's 30 or 28 or something hmm. um when are these pj tour money reserves going to run out because pj because Jay Monahan has already said they cannot compete with Liv on the PIF um, in a in a financial arms race, yes. and, and maybe that maybe that has that perspective, that perspective has now changed because now they're sort of in bed together. But still, the PJ Tour has been dr- financially drained by increasing its prize money and um, the l- legal fees that they've that they've needed to. Yeah. Contest with, contend with live golf in in the courts. Mm. Um, obviously, that's over now. However, that has still been a big financial burden. So, my question would be to to whoever is, um, when are the PJ Tour going to see the benefit of this PIF money? Because they are still 
draining their own financial resources with these gradual prize money increases. And we already know that they cannot continue to increase these the, the, these prize purses. Yeah. Yeah. For I the mean, next five or 10 years, because that's not sustainable. Yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> you, yeah, I think you've got to look at, if you look at other tours as well, the DP World Tour is continuing to, to increase prize money. And um, I think they can do it in part because of, you know, an increase of, in fans coming through the gates and maybe a slight increase in ticket prices and, and so on. So there'll be some sort of, you know, perpetual funding coming in via that route. But I do completely agree that it can't be too long, you know, and there was talk of, well, where's this money been before <clears throat> the PGA Tour, you know, and it's only since since Liv and, and Piff come out that they were like, oh, right, well, we could actually fund this, you know? So mm. there was talk of that when, when, when the sort of the signature events were first announced, you know, quite a few months ago now that before, obviously before the entire schedule was, was, was brought out. But... I do completely agree that it can't be too long before those reserves are are completely gone. Mm. Um, or maybe not completely gone, but you know, starting to 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 dwindle. And yeah, I think that's where the agreement definitely comes in. Um, and of course, the talk was that the live golf sort of schedule, if it was to come in, sort of the PGA Tour would maybe be truncated a little bit, and the live golf would come in 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 the autumn. Mm. on the fall. Um, so you'd have the players trying to qualify for the signature events in playing in the fall series while you'd have live golf still going on at the same time or, you know, however it was going to be. Um, and that seems like the obvious route if the schedule stays as a calendar year schedule on the PGA Tour mm. with the sort of playoffs ending in, in late August as they have done this year <clears throat> to then, you know, have that September to December run for live golf if they're going to allow the players back. But again, yeah, how long can they last with a lack of, not a lack of funds, but a severe drop in funds compared to PIF? Yeah, it's a question that obviously we don't know, but mm. I can't imagine it being too long. Won't be too many years. I mean, I, I, well, one thing that I didn't like about last last year, well, this year's schedule and now next year's schedule again, is, well, a couple of things really, because it would be so easy just to put a signature event in, in Europe. Like... I know technically they've got a they've got a co-sanctioned event with the Scottish Open, but they've put on their announcement when they announced it. They wrote down that they've, they've got two events in Scotland, and one's a co-sanctioned event with the DP World Tour at the Scottish Open, and one's the Open, but just because it's in Troon. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that I mean that, that that's not indicative. This isn't my, my criticism here. I don't think is indicative of the the, the strategic alliance. However. You could easily have, well, I say easily, I don't know, do I? But let, let's make the Irish Open a signature event. Like, that's at Royal well, County Down next year. Let's yeah. make the Belf, I don't know, not the, not the Belfry, but well, maybe. Could, or, 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 could, yeah. yeah. What you could start with is you've got the five Rolex series events. Why not co sanction mm. those, perhaps? And make, you know, and so you've got the, the Abu Dhabi Championship, the DP World Tour Championship, mm. the Genesis Scottish Open. BMW PGA Championship and one other, which I can't remember. Of course, there's two in Dubai, sorry. So it's yeah, yeah one yeah, in Abu Dhabi, yeah. two in Dubai, Scotland and England. And then, you know, why not maybe co-sanction those and and get, you know, maybe 
Well, as you mentioned, there's five, how, how were they described? Five additional events. Mm. Yeah. Make those five events the, you know, co-sanction those with the Rolex series on the DP World Tour. Collate the prize fund together for those five and make them sort of mini majors. It's probably the wrong mm. way of describing it, but, you know, akin to the Players' Championship and obviously the BMW PGA is the, the flagship event of the DP World Tour. And then imagine the fields you'd have in those play in uh, those tournaments. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The, 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 let's stick a twenty million pound prize fund on the on the Irish Open or something. Let, let, let's do that, or the Scottish Open, or I don't know the if Spanish the Open there. or something. Yeah, because the Spanish Open next year, I've seen is that um, no, the the Andalusia Masters is that Real Club Soto Grande, and I've got a bit of hmm. bias there because I, I've I've I was lucky enough to go there earlier this year. But that's an amazing golf course, an amazing event. Let's stick twenty million on that. Let's let let's. Let's see some benefits for the DP World Tour in a strategic alliance, and let's see um, the PJ Tour sort of branch out and 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 get people playing in Europe. When before the yeah. Open, all you see before the Open, all you see is these players playing it, playing the best courses in Ireland and Scotland, getting ready. And you're going about how much they love links golf and how much they love that they like playing in Europe. They all they always going about how good European fans are. Well, let's let's see these players more. In Europe, let, let, let's stick a twenty pound, a twenty million purse on, on the Spanish Open or, or the Italian Open or the, the Irish Open. I know it's easier yeah. said than done, but and I, I'm sure that must have been considered. But the fact that we haven't seen it yet, I, I, I think, I think is a shame. Um, yeah, well, and it's and also yeah, one of those, I, I, you think, think, Sorry, go on. So I was just going to say, if you think that obviously we've seen the new DP World Tour calendar for next season as well, and that's going to run all the way through to December. With their, you know, their mm. new the two final events in Dubai, so you've got that sort of, you know, time where the fall series is going to be, or if the live golf schedule is going to be in, you know, that time of year or whatever. Yeah, you could put easily put. I mean, you look at the calendar for this year. In September, you've got the Open de France, the BMW PGA, the Open d'Espagne. You know, the Irish Open was um, is I think in fact the Irish Open I think is next week. So you've got four events, four national opens. That you you know you could throw in. Obviously, the, the Italian Open was moved further earlier in the season because of the Ryder Cup being at Marco Simone this year. But the Italian mm. Open will be in that sort of area as well. So you could make that. Oh, so the FedEx Cup playoffs have finished end of end of August, and then you've got let's say in five five week spell of Irish Open, French Open, BMW PGA, Spanish Open, Italian Open. Right, make those massive events because yeah. they all used to be Rolex Series events as well. Some of, obviously some some still are. But they all used to be or have been bigger, and to use the phrase again, elevated events on the DP World Tour and formerly European Tour. So use them. And then obviously then you can have more of the PGA Tour players then possibly featuring in the new playoff system that the DP World Tour will have in November and December. Yeah. Honestly, I think there's so many opportunities to, to, to coincide the benefits and the money of the PGA Tour with with the DP World Tour, and not not just the money, but just to improve the fields. Um, I, I can't believe I didn't say Wentworth there. Just stick a twenty million pound purse on Wentworth and get yeah. Scheffler and all them going going over there, and Cantlay and Chauflay and all of them going over there because that that that's what I think would would depict this strategic alliance more. Would be something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I mean, what what I find slightly hypocritical and slightly like. Um, baffling about it is we're well, not baffling because it's obvious 
like all these players that didn't go to live that say they don't play for money, they just play for trophies. Yet a lot of them are part of, a lot of them are, have helped to devise these schedules that include massive prize money increases. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Um, and I'll be honest, I think we've just fixed world golf there, to be totally honest. Mm. Um, obviously, you still have, it? Yeah, you'd still have the Genesis Scottish <laughs> Open. <laughs> you, do you know, I think there was talk as well of maybe possibly even moving the Irish Open to the week before the Scottish Open, wasn't there? Mm. Playing it on a proper links course, and then you've got Irish Open, Scottish Open, and then the Open in a three-week spell. And I think a lot, you'd get a lot of PGA Tour players coming over for that three weeks. They might not. They might choose to play Irish and not Scottish. You know, and have a week off so they can, you know, do you know, relax or whatever, or go and play North America as a lot of the Americans do. Um, mm-hmm. But you could have that little three-week run in the middle of summer, and then come back for the come back for the PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs, and then you come back to Europe for the for that run as we've just said of you know P, BMW PGA at Wentworth. Open to France, of course, Le Golf National, which hosted the Ryder Cup. Italian Open at Marco Simone, which is hosting the Ryder Cup. Um, yes, why not throw the British Masters in there at the Belfry, has hosted the Ryder Cup, you know, mm. and at Sotto Grande or, or Valderrama for, for the Spanish Open or, or somewhere like that. What a great run that would be as, as well, not just for world golf, but in particular European golf. And for the DP World Tour, imagine if you yeah. get the likes of Scheffler and Morikawa and Max Homer coming over to play in the yeah. Italian Open. Why not? Why not? J-Man Hand, Keith Pelly, if you're listening, hmm. we fixed it. Yeah, well, well I mean, and, and the, the only incentive for that is is that you know we're not stupid. The only incentive of that for that would be putting the money up, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, so we've alluded to quite a lot of DP World Tour events there, so. Let's take a look at the new DP World Tour schedule that was announced recently. So there's going to be 44 tournaments in, yeah, so 44 tournaments. Was it in 24 countries, I think? Yeah, so, and the total prize uh, money is 148.5 million. There's going to be five Rolex Series events um, the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, the Genesis Scottish Open, the BMW at Wentworth, the Abu Dhabi Championship, and the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai in November. Um, there's, there's two new tournaments. So there's the Dubai Invitational in January and the Bahrain Championship in February. The Volvo China Open is back in May after after from from popular demand. Do you think, or just it's back? I think it is popular demand. I think obviously the yeah. the the DP World Tour does sort of tap into the to the Asian market quite a lot. You know, there's mm. been a lot of events in Korea and so on. And the China Open was was big, obviously. You know, before um, COVID and everything that happened and so on and there was, obviously, there was even PGA Tour China as well before that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a I think that'll be a good event and a big event to to bring back to that part of the world and one of the, a big market in terms of golf as well. Yeah. Um, so in phase one, we've got five global swings for you to um, to remember. So there's the opening swing, the international swing, the Asian, the European, and the closing. I quite like that each swing has an individual champion, so you can win two hundred two hundred thousand. Um, which I think is a really good thing, to be fair. Um, and the winners of these swings, they can get into the Rolex Series events. Um, yep. So if so, yeah. Do, do, do you want to just um, clarify that? So the, does each individual winner get into? Is it the BMW? Yes, um, so the Scottish the, Open the, and another one. 
Yes, so the so the, the the leading member, obviously, again, and all these will be not otherwise exempt, um, and mm. I'm not going to keep saying that because, but yes, the leading leading member on the list from the opening swing qualifies for the um, Dubai Desert Classic. Um, the leading member from each of the international, Asian, and European swings will qualify for the Scottish Open, and then the leading member of the closing swing qualifies for the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth, and then. The overall top performer, so there'll be sort of, you know, mini leaderboards as such, you know, mini sort of, as, as we know, it's the race to Dubai. So there'll be mini ones for each of the swings, but then there'll be one for the entirety of phase one in the global mm. swings. Um, and then the top 10 performers um, from that, obviously, again, not otherwise exempt, um, will qualify for phase two of the season into the, the back nine. You know, I wonder where they got that from. And the back nine, um, as long as they're within the top 110 on the current race to Dubai rankings. But of course, you'd expect there would be if they're in the top 10 spots, you know, via the global swings. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like the, I think basically everything in sport and basically, I mean, not to get too philosophical about it, but everything in the world, everything we do is basically about incentive, isn't it? What <laughs> what am I getting out of what I do? Um. And I think with these individual swing winners, they've got some incentive. They're going to win a lot of money and they get into these events. But let's, I don't know, let's take it up a notch. Let's get the individual, let's get each individual swing um, leader, or if they're otherwise not exempt, into the Open or something, or the PJ Championship. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take it up a notch. Let's, let's increase incentive, again, to make it worth being more worth being on the DP World Tour, look, it's a great, it's a great tour for thousands of players. God, mate, I'd, I'd dream to be on the DP World Tour. But let's make it worth, more worth going over there and playing. Let's offer yeah. pathways to even bigger, to- even bigger tournaments, not just prize money. I don't know, like the winner of these swings or the next player that's eligible could get go straight into open qualifying, or maybe just go straight into the open or something yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like the DP World Tour needs to enhance its incentives. Maybe beyond beyond money as well, just so yeah. just so just so it makes makes players turn up. It makes it it adds it adds jeopardy. I think jeopardy is an important thing in golf as well, and in any sport, you need jeopardy for people to tune in, for viewership to increase, for better performance. You need a bit of jeopardy in each of these swings, and I think they have done that by adding adding. Um, Incentive to qualify for some of the Rolex events, but let's sort of raise it up a notch. Let's get into let's, let's do it to get into the Open. Let's do it to get into the PJ Championship. I know that might be a bit, a bit, a, a bit. You know, people might see that as a bit much because you have to, you know, you have, you have to work with the RNA there and the PJ of America to to work work those pathways. But that's something I'd like to definitely see in the future. I mean, it, it it could be a stepping stone. This could be a we for all we know, this could be a trial to see. Or, you know, mm. does this work? Is there better for performances? Blah, blah, blah. You mentioned Jeopardy, of course. Well, we have to talk about Live Golf then in their, with their relegation and promotion, you well, know. yeah. Even they've got a bit of Jeopardy now. And so on. Um, I think the problem with the DP World Tour is that a lot of people still see the DP World Tour as essentially as a feeder tour to the PGA Tour. Mm. I, said, I said tour a lot there. But the, <laughs> for the DP World Tour to the PGA Tour, they see it as a lot of players see it as a stepping stone. And it always has been. They know yeah. players have told us that. Jordan Jordan Smith t- has told us that in an interview. I think Dan Dan Bradbury might have alluded to it 
Um, but yeah, that, that that's that's a, that's common knowledge, really, isn't it? A common knowledge, yeah. opinion. Yeah, but I think the way the only way to get out of that sort of that funk and out of that mindset is if, as you say, so the PJ Tour, you know, is up here. The DP World Tour is down here. The DP World Tour needs to be elevated up to the same level, and with more maybe co-sanctioned events like the Scottish Open and if you add the Irish Open and so on, as we alluded to earlier. Um, I think that's probably going to be the best way to go about it. Um, and, you know, there's talk of this strategic alliance that came in a couple of years ago. Has the DP World Tour really seen any enhancements because of it? Yes, there's been stronger fields at the Scottish Open. You know, that's... And we've seen mm. a few Americans come over and... You know, play the DP World Tour Championship. I think Colin Morikara won it a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. so obviously we have seen it happen, but it's more in drips and drabs rather than hordes of them coming over. I think maybe the DP World Tour doesn't want that. The DP World Tour still wants its its core, you know, European and, and, and Asian group. You know, your likes of your Hoygards and your McIntyres and your mm. Moronks and so on, all of whom you know are fighting for. Ryder Cup spots over the next couple of weeks, but maybe that's what they're thinking. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, we don't. We can't go into the mind of of Keith Pelly and and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's there's so many things that could be done to improve. It's just obviously how many of those are actually mm. physically possible. I think that's a good point you make um, about some Americans coming over and supporting the DP World Tour, and that has happened in the past. As you say, Colin Morikawa um, won the DP World Tour Championship not too long ago. Um, Patrick Reed has always played in European in, in DP World Tour events. To be fair to him, um, he's always been a big supporter to an extent of of, of the DP World Tour. Um, you got Justin, you got Justin Thomas entering the Ned Bank Golf Challenge this year. Um, Will Zalatoris is committed committed to the, uh, an event in South Africa last year, I think, but maybe injury prevented him from playing. I can't remember. Yeah, apologise if I got that wrong. For a while, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I apologise if I got that wrong, but Will Zalatoris also did um, commit to an event in South Africa. So you do get it, but as you say, you do get it in dribs and drabs. Um, in terms of the actual, in terms of the actual schedule, I do like that they're thinking outside the box um, with these swings. Um, it may, it, it sort of allows, maybe allows the players to plan their years a bit more with as each swing is separated throughout the schedule. So, so I do like. That they're trying something different. It, it's I like the marketing of it. Each sort of swing on the schedule has got its own colour. Um, and I think they're trying to make it mean more, and that's what I was alluding to then. I think I think they are going in the right direction of trying to make these yeah. swings, these events mean more. And it doesn't just need need to be money. They they can offer um, exemptions for the Rolex Series events. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about. The schedule so far. I mean, I think I, I like the colours. I like the marketing of it. I like the fact that they're trying something different with the swings. Um, would you disagree with that? Agree with that? No, I mean, I, I completely. I think they had to do something, if that makes mm. sense. You know, with with the PGA Tour obviously announcing the elevated events, Live Golf obviously is getting bigger and bigger. Um, so they had to do something. Um, and I think you know, and just looking at the so the opening swing is going to be in Australia, South Africa, and Mauritius. But again, all close together, very good. And that's all going to be before Christmas. Um, the international swing is then um, in the UAE and includes the Dubai Desert Classic as the first Rolex Series event. And then back into South Africa for a couple of events. The Asian swing takes us to Singapore, Korea, Japan, China, 
Um, the only thing I will say is that the Asian swing also involves two major championships in the United States, which is, you know, is, is obviously, mm. the, you know, the majors are obviously going to be at those dates at those times. But to be fair to the DP World Tour, they haven't put an event on the week before the Masters or the week before the USPGA Championship. So, you know, there is a gap if, for instance, you're playing in the Volvo China Open, you've then got 11 days from the Sunday of the China Open to the Thursday of the PGA Championship. You know, so they have thought about it in this time for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my favourite, and as we alluded to earlier, um, about possibly making them bigger and bigger events, <clears throat> if you look at the back nine, which is the second phase after the swings that have completed, and the back nine is the British Masters at the Belfry, as I mentioned, Ryder Cup venue. Um, the European Masters in Sierra in Switzerland. I mean, we've seen the views that you know from that golf course. An incredible place. Horizon Irish Open at County Down, as you mentioned. You know, what yeah. a golf course. The BMW PGA at Wentworth, you know, major status. The Open de España. The Alfred Dunhill Lynx, obviously, he's played at St. Andrews Carnegie. It's a genuinely good stretch of golf, isn't it? Yeah. It's a brilliant the stretch. France, the Andalusia Masters. And then one event that will is to be announced, but it wouldn't surprise me. I see now the Italian Open is actually in June. I was going to say that could be time mm. for the Italian Open. And then, of course, you've got the playoffs with the Abu Dhabi Championship yeah. and then the DP World Tour Championship to, to end, the, end the season. Of course, the, they've sort of taken on the um, 70 into the um, first of those playoff events and then 50 into the second one to, to battle it out for the overall race to Dubai and the DP World Tour title at the end yeah. of the season. I think that back nine bit is absolutely brilliant, to be fair. I mean, it makes me, sort of makes me laugh that there's one event to be finalised um, it can't be that sort of steeped in history and heritage if it's, if it's yet to be finalised. I know. The, my, but, um, my thing is where, where where would it come from? You know, where yeah. would that where would that event be? And obviously, the Italian Open would have been probably the the one I'd have thrown in there and put it at at, yeah. um, at Marco Simone. But I mean, in the past, the DP World Tour they've been to they had playoff because they used to have a little run of Rolex Series events at the end of the season, didn't they? A bit mm. playoff esque, and they did have the yeah. Turkish Airlines Open. I remember Terrell Hatton winning a six-man playoff there, and it ended up being under the lights. Um, it was one of those golf courses in Turkey that you know is, can be floodlit. Um, can you imagine that mm. on, the, on, on the tour, having some floodlit golf on tour? That would be incredible. <laughs> well, maybe that's maybe that's the angle that the DP World Tour could take. Yeah, um, I have played floodlit golf before. Um, when in like 2012 or 13, my, me and my family went to Dubai. We mm. played at floodlit golf. We played at about you know something stupid like ten at night or something. Yeah, and you, it was good. It was good. You still can't really see your ball some, a lot, a lot of the time. Yeah. I'd say you smash it into the air, like even towards the green or a, a tee shot. You still can't completely see see the ball. Um, sorry, it's a, bit, it's a bit of a tangent. This is, but um, it would be interesting to see. That could be a little thing that the DP World Tour could address, couldn't they? Because they do a lot of these things, a lot of um, these sort of challenges and off the course challenges. You see them do on YouTube and stuff. So some of them have come at night, haven't they? Under floodlit, under under floodlights. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they you know, they started doing the, the obviously the five hundred shot hole in one challenge, and they did. They then changed it to the fifty fifty, didn't they? And Rory mm. and uh, JT did one, and it was the Shane Lowry and Tommy Fleetwood one that was done under the lights. And I remember Tommy saying, "Oh, this is the greatest TV ever." Um, <laughs> Shane Lowry missed by inches on that final yeah. final of those. Those shots, but yeah. So the Turkish Airlines Open, um, it was played at the Montgomery Max Royal, obviously, you know, and uh, thanks to uh, Colin Montgomery for obviously having some influence there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it ran for seven years, 
Um, and from 2013 to 2016, it was part of the Race to Dubai finals series, which is how, how they did have for a while. Um, and then from 2017 to 2019, it was a Rolex series event. So it's always been an elevated event. Um, and yeah, like I say, Tyrrell mm. Hatton won a six-man playoff um, in the end in, in 2019. Obviously cancelled then in 2020 and, and unfortunately hasn't um, hasn't come back. Um, but yeah, I think, like I say, night golf, is just, it's another little thing that could possibly, <laughs> you know, even if it's, you know, we've seen it in Formula One with night races and twilight races, mm. you know, obviously football, you know, there's always games under the lights and so on. It might not work the same for golf, admittedly. Yeah. You know. Um but why why not give it a go? Why not? And again, the Turkish Airlines Open, as I mentioned, always mm. been an elevated event on the DP World Tour. Possibly that could be the that last event on the back nine and to yeah. take you into because also it's not that far from, from uh Antalya where it is to um to Dubai as well. Of course, of course. Yeah, I think what the what what the DP World Tour they've tried to be they've tried to be innovative, and I think there's only so much they can do when compared to the PGA Tour. So I think I, I think it's a promising I think it's a promising schedule. It's in, it's innovative. It's different. And to be honest, like I, I, I think it's quite refreshing. To be fair, I think yeah. I think the last sort of few weeks on tour, I've sort of realised you know when you've you've got these big players like Monaghan, Yazir Arumayan, um, Jimmy Dunn, all these all these people like devising golf's future um, behind the scenes. I think that's made me sort of really enjoy sort of the golf that we watch even more, to be honest, because you don't know how, I don't know, you, you don't know how long you're going to have these schedules for, do you? Because you, you, you just don't know what's around the corner anymore in golf. Like, no. I've found the FedEx Cup playoffs like more refreshing than usual. I found it more compelling than usual. I think just because we've had a bit of silence about all the PIF and PJ Tour negotiations recently, I think I think that's just I think the absence of that has just been nice. Like yeah. the all, focus all, all, all is on the golf. Yeah, yeah. Like the focus is back on the golf, and honestly, like the and thought of all, all, all these well. suits. Yeah, yeah, oh, amazing. And the thoughts of all these sort of suits devising playing with golf future. Um, playing with billions and millions of dollars. You know, it's just nice that that's all taken a back seat and we can enjoy a bit of golf and yeah. even more so with the Ryder Cup coming up as well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, completely. And it's what, just been refreshing. Yeah. And one thing one thing I'll also say about the the DP World Tour um schedule for for next season is of course we I think you wrote a story either yesterday or the day before obviously um JT put on his Instagram story about the the mileage yeah. he'd covered over the last um of the last season um, go and check it out on, on our website it's an incredible story and it's an incredible number of, of miles in the end it's it's whatever you think it is it's a lot more um but obviously for, for the way that the dp will sort have sort of arranged their season obviously you've got the majors which you know will, will include a bit more travel but you've got like i, I mentioned that first swing you've got australia south africa and, and mauritius you know, not too much traveling, but obviously, you know, it's going to take a lot of yeah. Europeans to get down there. Mm. But then you've got, you know, a run in, in the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, Kenya and South Africa. So again, all still relatively close to each other. And then you've got Singapore, South Korea, Japan, China. And then you come to Europe and you've got Belgium, Germany, Sweden, the Netherlands, Italy, and then back to Germany again. Um, 
And then even in the, on that back nine, you know, England, Switzerland, Northern Ireland, England, Spain, Scotland, France, Spain, and hopefully Turkey, as we, as we just said. Mm. Um, <laughs> but again, like, so it's they're trying to minimize travel. I think there's been a bit of, of that, you know, because obviously there's always the talk of, you know, airfare mm. and climate change and global emissions and so on. And I think that's a, a very good thing that they've tried to possibly yeah. look into. I might be completely going over the top of what their plans are. Well, and, you know, it surprised me. But it's uh, but but that's a, a it, it looks good as well because you've just got all right. Well, I could go out for four weeks and play, you know, Singapore, Korea, Japan, China, you know, and then I could come back and I'll take a few weeks off before then playing in the European swing. You know, so I, I think it's a great idea that this schedule and um, it's one that one that I think could definitely work for the DP World Tour moving forward, depending on allegiances yeah. and and you know partnerships and so on. Yeah, I could I honestly couldn't agree more. I think they they're being quite resourceful and you know really trying to be um, just be in it, just be innovative and be different um, and hopefully. Yeah, I, I honestly think I honestly think that I know some people might disagree and bash it, and we'd like to hear your comments to be fair about it. Um, but I, I think I couldn't have a go at that schedule, in, in my opinion. I know there's some events to be finalised um, and whatnot. There's still venues and things to be to be worked out. But that's the same with the PJ Tour. Is, yeah, a yeah. couple of things on the PJ Tour that haven't been sorted out yet, as well yeah. in terms of sponsors, in terms of um, venues. Um, so yeah, I mean. We've looked back. We've looked forward to to next year's schedules. Yeah, we we, we dove quite deep there, didn't we? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's been it's been an epic year of golf, and like you know, mm. as you mentioned, you know, John Rahm winning, you know, for for under the Spanish flag at, at Augusta, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Lucas Glover and his comeback, and we talked about Ricky Fowler and so on. Victor Hovland's incredible 61 at Olympia Fields just last uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, we've had the conclusion of the FedEx Cup. We've now got the Solheim Cup, the Ryder Cup to look forward to. Um, and then, of course, into this fall series where, you know, players are going to be looking to try and, you know, step up to try and make next season signature events. So yeah, you could say that the calendar is, you know, oh, we, we've sort of got to the end of, 2023 season of you know the major tournaments and, and the big events and that but there's still a hell of a lot to play for over the last uh, last three four months of the year certainly certainly there's plenty to play for um plenty of ramifications for next year and of course we have the rod cup and the Solheim cup um to report on soon which which everyone is looking forward to oh for uh, sure i think we can call it a day to be fair there mate yeah why not it's bank i don't fear yeah, of course it is yeah I don't think I've got any more holidays booked for next week, so I think I'll be joining you again. Oh, well, I, I shall look forward to it, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Two in a row, I am blessed. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not it's not common these days anymore, is it? No, it's, um, been, it's been alternating between yourself and Steve every week for the last month <laughs> or so. So, yeah, it'd be lovely to have some consistency back on the pod. I know, I know. That's what we need. Okay, <laughs> cheers. Cheers, Matt. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'll speak to you next week.